Hi, Jim. Hi, Maeve. Let's do the show. I've got some questions for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I have some big news, too. Um, this is Social Distance, the Atlantic's podcast about the pandemic. I'm Jim Hamblin. I'm a doctor and staff writer at The Atlantic. And I'm Maeve Higgins. I'm a comedian and I'm a writer. So, Jim, can you tell us your big news? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know already, but I Yeah, because my... I saw your Instagram. <laughs> I got my first uh, shot. I got uh, vaccinated against COVID-19. Yay! I'm delighted. <laughs> That's the appropriate. I know, I know. It's like every it, everyone is doing it, so it's hard to genuinely feel excitement, but I appreciate your Okay. I mean, me. certainly, you know, I liked your Instagram post. I was really happy, but I was like, oh, Jim, everyone's gotten up by now, you know, of my <laughs> friends in New York. But I was also like, wait a second. We're talking about... James Hamblin, who has been worried about this pandemic longer than the rest of us, because I remember speaking to you in February of 2020. Also, you know, you've been doing so much work around covering both the virus and the vaccine. And so how was it like? How did it feel? And how did you get your appointment? And what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I it honestly felt like uh, Christmas morning when I was oh. waking up. I was so <laughs> excited. And, and then I was happy after it and um to, it it felt like a real endpoint i mean i know i i, mm -hmm. I am, don't have immunity for presumably about another five weeks mm -hmm. but it felt like a passage uh, a demarcation that uh is meaningful i uh it was moving to be a part of the scene too just having it done like this system that's it's it was at an old racetrack uh in queens and what? yeah a horse racing what? track you, you don't go there <laughs> wait is it is an old horse race track you booked online at yeah okay yeah. um you take what you can get okay. and um yeah our friend jody got vaccinated there too there's all these betting booths where people would go and you know bet on which horse is gonna <laughs> be the fastest and then collect money, you know, and eat hot dogs and burgers at these stands that are closed down now. And it all felt so relatively frivolous to compare to what was taking place there now, which is wow. a bunch of, you know, people from the community who are there checking IDs and keeping everything moving and, and some mm -hmm. military people who are helping you know, maintain the flow of people through it and mm -hmm. tons of people just there doing their part and getting a shot in their arm. And then you go sit and you you wait for 15 minutes. And if you don't have any symptoms of allergic reaction, which are extremely rare, mm -hmm. then you leave. <laughs> who, who gave you the shot? Was it um, a soldier? I don't know. I was in this sort of giddy mood. Uh, not a soldier. <laughs> this was a nurse, but it was the kind of thing where I want I wanted to talk and be all thankful, and like this is a big moment. And mm -hmm. you know, for them, they've been they've done it like thousands of times. <laughs> you right. know, they're just you're just another deltoid to them. But <laughs> I appreciated it. So it would be like a kid meeting Santa Claus, and and Santa's <laughs> like not getting paid enough to show any excitement. <laughs> back to the child <laughs> yeah yeah that might have been it i don't know 
Okay, and so then you sat in the camp out place for 15 minutes. Yeah, it was where you'd normally be watching horse races. Uh, <laughs> but so instead, funny. we were staring out at the empty track. There was a feeling I felt of unity in the place. Oh, that's so yeah. beautiful. Which shot did you get? I got the Pfizer one just because okay. it was the first vaccine appointment I could get. And mm -hmm. I have to go back in three weeks. They automatically schedule you and I will go and do that. It's very simple and straightforward. If anybody is feeling uh, nervous about it, um, don't. It's a. It, it's sort of a day I will remember forever, and it was. Oh. It was exciting, and that's not to rub it in because I know you're you're nowhere near being able to be vaccinated still. Oh, right? that's fine. I mean, I can certainly go to a race course. <laughs> <laughs> I can have a similar experience, just not with the vaccine. <laughs> right. Right. I can see a soldier in an abandoned race course any time of day. This is Ireland, so I'm not worried. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel any, like, you know, twinge of envy. I just want everybody to get it, like, as soon as possible. Like, everybody yeah. in the world. Um, yeah. Well, look, I'm just so glad to hear that. It's also, like, a real bright spot because, obviously, the big vaccine news this week though is the you know uh, the johnson and johnson vaccine um yeah. the problems there and we talked about you know countries over here or countries in europe that did actually pause the astrazeneca injections because of these blood clot concerns um so yeah. where where is it at now in the u.s oh man well you might not be surprised to learn that i have strong feelings about all that is happening right now um our colleague, Katie Wu, has been covering the Johnson Johnson pause story, and I would love to call her to update us on the latest. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Katie. Hello. Hi, Katie. It's Maeve. Hi. Hi, nice to meet you and thank you for joining us today. I know yourself and Jim are colleagues. Yeah, it's great to be here. I read your latest piece about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I wonder, could you fill us in on, you know, what happened and a little bit about these six cases that led, led to this um, pause? Yeah, so I think, you know, to put this in perspective first, uh, this was identified very quickly and then addressed very quickly. And that is all a good thing. Mm -hmm. But basically the situation is uh, the CDC and FDA reported that they had picked up on six cases of a very specific kind of blood clot in six women under the age of 50. They detected the blood clot in these women within about two weeks of when they had gotten their Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Uh, and this is out of nearly 7 million people in the United States who have gotten these vaccines. So it is a very, very low number of cases so far. Uh, more certainly could emerge. But this was enough for federal health officials to say, hey, uh, this is concerning. We are seeing really the same problem arising in all six of these people. We should stop and take a look. And, you know, to be really clear here, what's going on is a pause. Uh, they are literally hitting the pause button here and mm -hmm. saying, let's get some time, evaluate the data, consult our experts, figure out what's going on, and critically, 
give doctors the information they need to detect these symptoms in patients and then treat them with the right therapies. This is not a revocation of the emergency Mm -hmm. authorization. This is not a withdrawal. This is not like a full recall. This is just, let's wait and see what happens here. Hopefully we'll have more information to you very soon. Do you have a sense, Katie, of how confident regulators feel that these clots are indeed related to the vaccine? Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like my pulse on the situation is like, there's a moderately confident link at this point. Um, Really part of the point of the meetings that are happening today and over the next couple days is to really see how strong that link is going to be. So I can't conclusively say it, but I think there's kind of a bump in confidence right now because what they're detecting here with these specific clots looks a lot like what has been going on with the AstraZeneca vaccine, which in terms of vaccine recipe looks pretty similar to the J&J vaccine. And it's probably not a complete coincidence that we're seeing the same side effect appear shortly after both of these very similar looking vaccines. I think they probably acted more swiftly here with J&J because of what's already been going on with AstraZeneca. Yeah, no, that makes sense. These are both adenoviral uh, vector vaccines, so there's some similarities. AstraZeneca has been associated with clots in Europe, and so it seems like there is a low threshold here. Uh, and these specifically uh, were clots in the cerebral veins, the the sinuses that drain the blood from our brains. Could you, could you say a little bit about why that's taken especially seriously? Yeah. So what's going on here is a very, very specific kind of blood clots. You know, blood clots happen all the time. Just think of every time you have cut yourself um, and blood clots can appear pretty much anywhere in the body. These are especially concerning because it's a super specific kind of blood clot uh, that is appearing in the brain, as you said. And they're also, these clots are appearing in combination with low platelet counts, which is kind of a another linked phenomenon here. And that's led a lot of researchers to hypothesize, you know, something is going on here. Maybe the immune response raised to the vaccine is somehow targeting the way that the body is regulating the production of blood clots and also sort of draining the body's pool of platelets. Uh, And so that specific combination, I think, has raised some eyebrows because typically that is especially rare. Uh, And I think what's especially tricky about this is this specific combination has been seen also in response to, ironically, a blood thinning drug called heparin. And so that's really important to know because heparin is one of the most common blood thinners that doctors use to treat blood clots. And in this specific case, officials are recommending against using heparin because it could potentially make the situation worse. And I think that's another plus of the pause. Doctors are really getting the message loud and clear. Let's not use heparin until we really know more and maybe never again for this specific condition. Right. Right. So part of the pause is to help doctors understand what to look for, how to deal with symptoms that might be related to a clot like this. And part of it seems to be messaging to patients, right, who are within this window of having recently had a Johnson Johnson vaccine, if people are experiencing um, basically any neurologic symptoms from dizziness and headaches to um, anything more, more significant than that to contact a, a physician because there's it's going to be especially important to keep a close eye on things like that. Absolutely. Katie, you quoted Angie Rasmussen, who is this amazing virologist. We've had her on social distance before. As we're taping today, she got the Johnson Johnson vaccine 
nine days ago and she's in mm-hmm. the age range you know of the six women who got the symptoms of the blood clotting so what was her her take as a person who got that vaccine and also just as a virologist yeah i am really lucky that angie picked up the phone yesterday <laughs> um but she had been tweeting about this and i i knew she would provide some really balanced perspective here you know when we talked she had a really, really, I think, grounded and level perspective on this thing. Um, you know, first things first, she has gotten the vaccine. There is really no undoing that. But, you know, she she said, like, she'd be on the lookout for these symptoms that the CDC and FDA are telling people to be on the lookout for. And that's really important. Yeah. But she also really had great perspective on this. She is not spending all of her time worrying about getting a clot, you know, partly because that won't actually affect whether or not she gets a clot, but mm-hmm. also because these cases have so far been really, really rare. I don't think we yet have enough information to say, oh, you know, these clots are going to appear in exactly X percentage of people, but it's probably going to be an extraordinarily low number. Um, You know, she talked to me about how she has engaged in other behaviors that have also, you know, carried their own risks. Uh, Every single one of us engages in slightly risky behaviors every single day. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) I certainly have never done anything that's bad for me, but (laughs) no, you're you're right. Right. Because that's what um, Dr. Rasmussen was saying. She took oral contraceptives for 20 years and she will take these odds. I really appreciated her perspective. I think it's also just a really tricky spot to be in if you have gotten this vaccine very recently, um, you know, without this new information, it might feel like a scary time. I talked to a couple people yesterday who said, you know, they'd gotten a lot of phone calls from friends and relatives who got Johnson and Johnson recently, and they were saying, God, I feel a little duped or I can't help but feel a little bit of buyer's remorse right now. And that's totally understandable. I think part of the reason this pause is going into effect is, you know, now physicians and other healthcare workers can provide emotional and clinical support to these people. Uh, They know exactly what to look for. And, you know, if these people have questions, they know what to ask. What are the symptoms to look for in that very rare case? There's a list that the CDC and FDA put out. They said if you develop severe headaches, abdominal pain, leg pain, or shortness of breath within three weeks of your injection, uh, reach out to your healthcare provider. Um, But I do think it's important to note here that is going to be kind of the next level up from the expected side effects that some people might just get within the first uh, couple days or so after getting their injection, which might include like a mild headache. Um, So there's a little bit of subjectivity there, but hopefully people are just keeping an eye out in those three weeks, that sort of critical window where we're looking here. Okay, so we've talked quite a lot about these clots. The story you wrote did a great job of laying out why Johnson Johnson is a very valuable vaccine to the world. Um, I got my first dose of Pfizer yesterday. I had to go to a racetrack in Queens, (laughs) and it was a sort of moving (laughs) experience. It was wonderful to get to do it. But now I have to go back in three weeks. I think it would be quite an advantage if we had more single dose vaccines. So I think that's an underplayed benefit. And I just hope it doesn't get lost in a very negative media cycle. I guess you spoke to a dozen experts yesterday. Do you think this has been handled correctly? Do you think pausing for everyone was the right move? Yeah, I think that is a tricky question to answer. And I've seen a lot of responses to this, but I 
think I kind of land on the side of, yes, this makes sense. I mean, think about if, if the CDC and FDA had waited until it was 20 cases or 30 cases or 100 cases, we would have gotten questions about why didn't you pause when it was just six and we could have prevented 94 more cases. Uh, I think they saw a signal. Um, and it's not just that they saw like a random cluster of blood clots. They all looked so similar. They seem to be appearing in this specific demographic slice of the population and they acted quickly. And this pause could just be a matter of days. They are not hoping to permanently derail this vaccine, but just to get a lot of clarity and make sure that people are aware of this and people are looking out for it. Right. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if more cases come up because we now know to look for it. And I think that's really important. I think the other thing to keep in mind here is, you know, not to downplay the impact of the J&J vaccine, but the J&J vaccine has been a minority, um, a pretty vast minority of the vaccines that have been delivered to vaccination sites around the country at this point. And uh, a lot of places had already started uh, lowering the trickle of J&J vaccines they were sending out because they had a small factory snafu just last week. Um, we have a lot of other vaccines to be giving out right now. And so if this blip occurs over the course of the next few days, I actually don't think it will completely derail the ability of this vaccine to get out into the public. And I, I do hope it comes back. Unless, of course, a lot of other new information comes to light and there's clear evidence that this would pose a higher risk than a benefit to the population at large. Right, right. So we might not um, see rapidly declining vaccination rates over the next couple of days. But do you think overall this this blip, even, you know, assuming that it doesn't pan out to be a, a major risk factor uh, and it gets back online, that it will over time lead to vaccine hesitancy of the sort that we've seen with AstraZeneca in Europe uh, exacerbate what we already see in the U.S. Um, it, how concerned are you about that? I think I, I am concerned about this, but I don't want to jump to conclusions yeah. exactly about how hesitancy will be affected. Mm -hmm. I think it, it's so tricky because exacerbating hesitancy can occur in a multitude of ways. Like one is people hear something negative about the vaccine and they feel less good about taking it. Another is that, you know, experts conceal something about the vaccine and the public feels like they're not being trusted with the relevant information. You know, the CDC and FDA are a little bit in a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation in that way. But I've been really impressed with the way that a lot of experts have been trying to communicate the situation as clearly as they can, be transparent, put the numbers in perspective, and really stress the point of like, we can make better informed decisions with this information being publicly out there now. I think that said, you know, I, I have spoken to a few people who have already said like, yeah, someone in my life was signed up to get this vaccine. They're now feeling not so great about this vaccine yeah. in particular, but they're also not feeling very good about the other vaccines. You know, what if something else crops up for Moderna or Pfizer? I do want to make it clear that, you know, this specific condition has not cropped up for Moderna or Pfizer. And many more times over, uh, the number of those vaccines have already been given out. I, I think we would have noticed it by now if, if the same thing were occurring. Um, but the fear is understandable. Right. 
I also read your story about the second dose side effects. You know, our producer, Kevin, he actually got a second shot last week and he could barely record. And I mean, we are obviously the highlight of his <laughs> week, but he, <laughs> but he was really knocked out. So um, what have you learned about these these side effects? And have you heard from a lot of people who've had this tough ride? Yeah, and I, I think... What's so interesting about this whole vaccine rollout is we're really like coming to grips with just the diversity of the human experience and being a human period. (laughs) I've talked to people who have had like no side effects whatsoever to either dose. My mom was actually one of them. Um, My husband had really bad side effects to both injections and they are both totally fine. I feel great about both of them being protected. Um, That said, like the second dose when there is a second dose involved, does seem to, on average, pack a a bigger punch. And I think that can be chalked up to the fact that that second dose is a reminder for the immune system about what it's already seen. And so you're just going to be riling up the immune system a little more. Um, You know, the second time you annoy someone, they're going to yell at you a little louder. (laughs) And (laughs) I I think that's roughly equivalent to what's happening here. You know, in some ways, I do think it's a it's a comforting and visible sign that the process is working as expected. But I also don't think people should take that as like, oh, if you don't have side effects, you should worry. I think something else comforting is that we did see a lot of side effects documented in the clinical trials. This was not a surprise. We saw this coming, but right. uh, I think the percentage of people who were protected from COVID-19 far exceeded the percentage of people who had tons of side effects. And so I think that's a nice thing to point to and say, you can have a ton of different experiences in those first few hours after the shot, but don't read too much into it. Good. So Jim, you're going to go back there in three weeks and just have a whale of a time. It's going to be all <laughs> fine. <laughs> back to that race course. You know, I have a little soreness in my arm and I take it as uh, evidence that it's working, that I'm gaining this protection. And the side effects you talk about after a second dose, Katie, are mostly low energy, fever, aches, chills. A rash? Uh, occasionally rashes, mm. but they go away pretty quickly, right? They're usually just a day or so. This is nothing like getting COVID, nothing like even getting the flu, uh, just to keep things in perspective here. No, exactly. It's like the body reacting to the idea of a pathogen. It's so, so, so different. Um, People have said it's like having 24 hours of flu-like symptoms, but you're exactly right. It is definitely not equivalent and certainly not worse than getting COVID. The risk calculation I think here is absolutely clear cut. Yeah. When you talk to people who, who've had COVID too, I think the uncertainty of it is a lot of what makes it scary that you might be feeling these early mm-hmm. symptoms, not sure if you're going to crash seven days later and end up in an IC, you know, you just don't know where this is going. Whereas with these second dose side effects, it's clearly documented. This is going to go away. You, you're going to survive and feel totally better and be protected after this. So anyway, when I think about getting that, that second shot, that's what fills me with confidence and takes away any worry about that but yeah i digress uh thank you so much for explaining all this katie you have been reporting on the pandemic since you joined the atlantic this year uh and you also recently wrote about cicadas which are fascinating to me and Mm. i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what we're to expect in the coming weeks in terms of this plague of bugs (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first 
thing I will put out there is that we should avoid calling them a plague. There's some cicada stigma <laughs> out there. And some researchers are very prickly about the word plague because we are not talking about crop decimating locusts. And we all want to fully endorse the cicada love that is about to happen. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Some of my best friends are cicadas. I didn't mean anything about it. <laughs> Katie, nobody has seen you. Are you a cicada? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you joined the no Atlantic during comment. the pandemic, so you never went into the office. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am prepping for my orgy as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> as you're tapping on the on the keyboard with your like eight legs or whatever. <laughs> I have six legs. Thank you. <laughs> They're gonna come down and take over the world. Oh, yeah. So really, like any week now, the cicadas are going to be popping (laughs) all over the the eastern-ish of the United States across like a dozen states or so. Um, D.C. is going to be hopping with these little guys that have been chilling underground for uh, 17 years. Um, They basically hatched 17 years ago, burrowed underground and have been there ever since, developing very, very slowly. And we're going to have billions of cicadas emerging at once, so many that they can be just kind of mowed down by hungry predators and still be abundant enough to mate with each other and survive. So they're going to be singing to each other, uh, trying to attract mates, mating furiously for a few weeks, laying eggs into the branches of trees, and then it's lights out for pretty much all of them. (laughs) It sounds like a computer game. (laughs) (laughs) It's intense. I mean, I I talk to people who say, you know, oh man, the last time I was around a cicada emergence, uh, I could not hear myself think. Uh, The buzzing was that loud. And it's a very Mm -hmm. bad idea to go outside with your mouth open. Oh, Oh gosh. (laughs) They don't seem like sensible in a way that to keep them alive, if you know what I mean. Like they're like kind of a bit self-destructive. I feel like they basically come out of the ground and it's like YOLO. We've got a couple weeks to like literally bang it out. And it's mm-hmm. just like like the, they have very few defenses. They can't really fight back against the, the things that are trying to eat them. So they just try to find each other, couple up and make the most of the few weeks they have in the sun. I mean, it's very, it's a very live fast die young if you ignore the whole 17 years underground thing yeah <laughs> yeah it is that's a high and also contrast the end of that sentence <laughs> it's like it's supposed to be like live fast die young and leave a beautiful body but they just leave like this strange dry like exoskeleton <laughs> all over dc oh yeah and they're they're kind of intense looking like black bodies red eyes i i think they're kind of cute honestly but i don't suspect everyone shares that opinion um oh, i, I don't know. know they had red eyes Oh yeah, they're they're really oh striking God. looking. But some people are really into this. I talked to one researcher who has helped I think 82 couples organize their weddings around cicada emergences. So like as they're taking their mm. vows, there are just thousands of cicadas billowing around them. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> Jim, are you sad you didn't wait? For to have your special uh, cicada wedding? Uh, <laughs> no, I can't imagine that. I don't know. <laughs> hey, t- to each their own. I mean, for some people, they want the perfect cake. Y- you're right. For other people, they want the perfect cicada emergence. I don't yuck someone else's yum. Yeah. No. The wedding industrial so complex right. is not uh, anything to be defended. 
<laughs> Katie, I can't. You're so you're so smart. Thank you so much for talking to us about cicadas as well as you know the real stuff that you've been working so hard on all year. Oh my gosh, it all ties together. I think somewhere deep inside all of us is a springtime cicada ready to swarm out into public and just like hug everyone. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily mate with everyone, but hug at least. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I generated yeah. that a little bit yeah, for you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Hug. We're hugging. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for joining, Katie. Of course, this was so much fun. Thanks so much, Katie. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. I feel like there was a third way we could have gone about with this pause that I would have liked to see. What was it? What? Yeah. Like, it would have been possible to say we noticed these six cases yeah. uh, out of almost 7 million shots. So we need all doctors to start looking out for this. We want to keep a close eye on this. We are not sure if it's related. But if you experience any of these symptoms, you know, let people know we're going to keep giving the vaccine because a 1,000 people are dying in the U.S. alone every day. Wow. But I think that would have been on the table. You know, I think depending how many cases of clots we see going forward we may, and, and how much hesitancy and reluctance uh, mm. of people to take J&J we see going forward, we may regret, you know, an outright pause. But it I remains mean, the, to be seen. The, yeah, when the AstraZeneca uh, one was paused in Europe, you know, they resumed it within days. And I mean, do you think that's what's going to happen? Do you think it's just going to well, switch I think on again? It, it led to a lot of hesitation, I mean, or exacerbated hesitation that was already existing. You know, most people have many reasons for not getting vaccinated, but this became sort of another one. Uh, it dominated a news cycle or many news cycles, and it ends up getting a ton of attention and feels very dramatic, but ultimately probably <laughs> will end up making recommendations like if you are a woman in this age range and have had issues with blood clotting or low platelets, you should avoid X vaccine and try for another vaccine. And and we may see other mm -hmm. rare correlations pop up, you know, sort of thing you don't notice until you've had millions of people vaccinated and you see, oh, well, there were, were a handful of things that seem to be related uh, that might happen with Pfizer or Moderna. It would not surprise me. And they're going to be so rare. <laughs> That we might be able to say, yeah. okay, well, if you are, say, you have diabetes and you are a male and you have high blood pressure, you should avoid Moderna. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally making that up. But these are the sorts of mm -hmm. tailored recommendations like that mean the system is working and that I will expect. And uh, I just hope it doesn't get caught up in like this vaccine is bad or this one is good. And uh, everybody just keeps getting vaccinated. Yeah, I hope so too. Definitely. Sorry, I just wanted to give my take there since we kind of got no, talking I'm, about cicadas too, which are right, you know important. They're very important, and I'm I I always want to hear what you've got to say, and you know we can just edit it out anyway. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maeve, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I didn't okay. want to put you on the spot, but you made some mm. controversial statements, mm. which got you canceled this week. I thought you might confront me with this. Mm -hmm. And now I couldn't <laughs> listen to the original segment because Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me has slandered me and it brings back 
bad memories for me to listen to Wait Wait. But mm-hmm. it, you were on the show and made some controversial statements about French fries, and the ensuing discourse became <laughs> uh, heated. Could you tell Toxic. me, in 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 your words, what went wrong? <laughs> I first want to say. Yes, they slandered my friend. Your book came out, you know, and there was this whole thing like, this doctor doesn't shower. And then I guess it was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, this topical news show on NPR. And and they made fun of you and called you um, poor or something. Uh, Let me see. He stopped using body products altogether and claims that thusly Mm -hmm. he was able to recreate the natural biome of his skin surface. Finally answering the question, skincare? No, skin don't care. And then (laughs) someone says, does James Hamblin also sleep on a futon? Someone replies, you'd think he did, right. Or a lofted bed. This is all painting a picture to me. Is he a world hacky sack champion? Does he have dreads? Is he a white man with dreadlocks? Yeah. Yes, white dreads. I was feeling a white dread situation. Oh, we all thought the same. Would you trust a white dread doctor? Oh my goodness! And you know that's basic. I, I don't have dreadlocks. Um. Anyway, I mean that's the part that's not true. The rest is really <laughs> accurate. But no, I'm I'm so sorry. You have to think though when you're on a panel like that, you just have to be quick and you know try and be funny. You don't really think that people are listening. But I put an <laughs> Easter egg in there for all the social distance listeners you know i had to make up a name during the show and the name i made up was moses townsend moses your dog's name townsend our producer's name oh my goodness yeah so i thought you know i know jim's not listening but (laughs) because he's enraged and carries a transcript of the time they vaguely (laughs) joked about him (laughs) (laughs) in his little pocket um and then i went on to you know oh in hindsight well well filthy mistress hindsight is Mm -hmm. because i just said you know mayonnaise is really the best condiment for french fries and i was met with howls you know of anger derision the names I was called, a fury on social media. You know, Americans love their ketchup. They suckle at the teeth of yeah. big ketchup. We like sugar. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I like high fat mayonnaise like a proper elderly Belgian man. That's mm-hmm. what I like. Mm-hmm. And so I've been canceled. I'm now, <laughs> you know, just trying to crawl back towards any kind of career. But I'm over in America. I'm over. Man. No ketchup. Well, I- in America... It's acceptable if you if you add garlic and call it aioli. Oh, and add an eight dollar price tag. Yes, yeah, that that's how it's cool to eat fries. Otherwise, it's it's ketchup. Yeah, um, I'm mm-hmm. sorry you had to go through that, and I hope you're able to <laughs> sign back online at some point. Well, we've both been burned by the uh, <laughs> the incredibly popular topical news show that I kind of love called Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. Like, do you prefer ketchup? Or mayonnaise. You uh, don't eat ketchup, I do don't you? really eat french fries much. Um, but if I well, well, well. do eat them, um, <laughs> I've had both, and I enjoy both. All right, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sidestep this, because I just think today's internet culture 
so I intolerant of opposing it would be views. so it yeah. would mean the world to me if you would you know in the face of this public pressure that i've got on me right now if you would take my side on this and <laughs> just admit that you're a hellman's boy well social distance is produced by <laughs> kevin townsend with help from senior producer ac valdez we love hearing from listeners we really do if there's something you'd like us to talk about on an upcoming show or if you'd just like to tell us uh, what the actual proper condiment is, what you prefer, uh, what your experience has been like with vaccination, any such thing. It can be small. We love hearing from you. Our email is socialdistanceattheatlantic.com and our voicemail line is 202-642-6487. And finally, as always, if you like this show and want access to all of The Atlantic's journalism, the best way to do that is by subscribing at theatlantic.com slash support us. Bye, Maeve. Jim, enjoy your fries. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Thanks for today. You too. Bye. 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 Bye.